Why is the new stuff coming out? Ah, sorry about that. I know the window opened, didn't I? Um, th- welcome to Alien Addict. Um, before we start the show, please go and do all the stuff like the the links at the bottom to take you to the Patreon, subscribe to the channel, like the video, all that shenanigans. Um, before I bring co-host and guest on, I found uh, Paul Stobbs out uh, understanding conspiracies from a podcast called My Family Think I'm Crazy. And it's unusual, I think, in um, like conspiracy stuff and listening to podcasts and things where you find people with like what I think is like a proper unique take on something. Um, and I find it really refreshing and I was determined to get him on this podcast. So without further ado, my co-host David Oliver and our guest Paul Stobbs, Understanding Conspiracy, thank you for coming on Alien Addict. Not a problem. That intro was absolutely terrifying. How long did it take you to make that thing? <laughs> Oliver, he, he Oliver's the video guy. An hour today. Uh, on that. <laughs> Honestly, I was there trying to quickly get it up so my people can see it, like share the screen. Like, they probably missed the first few seconds, but that was horrifying. That was absolutely terrifying. Like, I don't know. Well done. <laughs> <Okay>. Fair <laughs> enough. But no, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For well, I, I took some inspiration from some of the stuff that you'd said. Uh, that on some of the podcasts that I've listened to, especially you named a film called Clown, where the which I, I would love to hear about that later on in in the show, where that guy puts that suit on, and it's that he's he, he's impersonating basically the demon, and that thing attaches onto him, and yeah. that 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 film is 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 low budget, but it's very it's a really good film. It's it's freaky. It's very freaky. If funnily enough, I've not actually watched the film, but I know everything about it inside and out from just the research I've been doing. But I haven't got time to watch films these days with having a toddler, you know. But yeah, yeah. very well. I've seen plenty of clips and scenes and screenshots and read the plot. And it's basically my entire theory just distilled into a, a cheap B movie, basically. It's very weird. It's, it's um, really well done. Like, it's uh, as yeah. far as the, I'm a big horror fan and. As far as like the the, the low, more lower budget horror films go, it's got some polish on it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. It was actually that particular um, film which clued me into the whole uh, the reptilian frill and the clown ruffle. Mm. Um, it, it is specifically in that film. It represents the reptile's spine filled reptilian frill. You know, and as soon as I saw yeah. that, like, so that makes sense. That's why clowns wear a big silly ruffle around the neck you know it's uh, it's another direct reptilian reference and that film alone gave me that one little clue so yeah it's, it's a terrifying film definitely well i suppose for um for any of our, our viewers that aren't familiar with your channel uh what's a like a good box like synopsis of what your theory is what you wrote right what, what you wrote in your book about and how you got into it sure so essentially what my work is is an anthropological study of folk traditions found all around the world. Um, I came upon the idea, this link through my own years of research into biblical history and alternative um, histories with uh, the extra biblical texts, that uh, demons are the disembodied spirits of Nephilim. Um, And I indirectly through my own psychedelic experiences in the past understood that people who take dimethyltryptamine seem to see jesters whenever they go to this other, other realm. So I did make a connection in my mind that something to do with Nephilim being demons, people see when they see spirits, clowns, something was there. 
And then the 2016 um, clown sightings happened. And I, I kind of understood that the media wouldn't make such of a hype or put so much attention on this event if it didn't mean something symbolically to them because everything's controlled within the media from my own understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried to figure out what does the clown mean exactly? And what I figured out uh, through over seven years of uh, 42 episodes on a series and everything else in between is that the clown or what we call a clown the image of it, all of its white skin, red hair, red nose, psychedelic clothing, big shoes, everything about a clown is a caricatured symbol created for the sole purpose of channeling demons in the same way um, folk traditions around the world have been doing for thousands of years with very similar aesthetical garb. Um, But what they call them are ancestor spirits and they wear that garb for the specific reason of being possessed by the ancestor spirits. And what the secret societies seems to have very cleverly done is invent this symbol we call a clown, which we associate with something silly, something for the children, something, well, um, inane, harmless, just for the kids, something just in the background that you don't have to think about. But it's an occult symbol. And the occulted meaning is this represents the Nephilim directly. Everything about it is a reference to and a symbol, a caricatured over um, exaggeration of Nephilim features. And they use it in their own invocation rituals for the sole purposes of channeling demons. And it seems like there's an agenda as of late to push it on the public to also start to dress this way for the same reason, but opening up those gateways, creating channels for the demons or the Nephilim spirits to find ways back into our realm. And that's it summed up very quickly. Yeah. Well, even uh, when you talk about the this like push to try and make us dress this way, um, even if you take sort of the clown part out of it, you've always got that sort of bombastic, um, like futuristic way, don't you, that comes in sort of dystopian films and things like that. There's, there's, there does seem to be this pre-programming that we will look ridiculous in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Hunger Games was a great example of that. Yeah. Um, the Capitol, they have the Capitol Couture, you know, and it's this drag queen ish looking over the top aesthetic of bright colors clown makeup and they all have their own color and theme for each district as they would call it in this topic future and those who dress this way have the power and are in control so metaphorically speaking that's kind of the agenda at the end of the day to have the nephilim that once were kings and rulers of the ancient antediluvian past to position themselves back into those places of power in the world through vessels they can control in some way. So it, um, those vessels, the more they reflect the way they look, the more easy it is for them to be within their vessel, let's say. So that, like I said, this is the purpose of dressing a certain way in other cultures. Um, if you, This is big in Africa more than anywhere, but it happens on every continent. But the idea of um, dressing like the thing to attract mm-hmm. the thing into your body is pretty much the norm everywhere on the earth. Some cultures do it because they think it can scare the thing away. So they're still doing it in some way to reflect the monster. Uh, so they're still dressing that way because they know that's what they look like. But they're trying to trick the being in some cultures to make them think they're one of them so they won't hurt them or something like that. That's called apotropaic thinking. Uh, it's a, it's an ancient practice that goes along with the um, channeling practice, the shamanistic practice of dressing like a clown to be possessed by ancestor spirits. Um, ancestor spirit worship is a weird word. It's not how we consider the word ancestor. That's kind of the best word we have to describe what they're going on about. They probably 
they wouldn't use the word ancestor in, in the way we would. They consider ancestors to be far more ancient than just their grandma or mm -hmm. granddad or a great great auntie or uncle or something. They they consider ancestor spirits to be the progenitors and creators of their entire civilization from the ancient past, the old ones, the old gods, which would be the Nephilim who put themselves in those positions of power when they were around in physical form. Yeah. Um, what was it that uh, got you thinking along these lines? Because there, there must have been like a, a like a thing, like a trigger to it. Yeah, well, well, like I said, I I got into conspiracy in about 2010, 11 period in the build up to the 2012 end of the world stuff. The yeah. Minecraft stuff, you know, that, that was my uh, waking up moment. You know, that's what led me to go down the rabbit holes and start to see everything else. I think um, there's, a, there's a lot of us there, isn't it? That sort of after 9 11, go then into the mind calendar time. That's that's probably when I started yeah, sitting there in front, in front of YouTube for hours on end watching videos of various people. Exactly. You know, and it, it's come a long way since then. This is like yeah. a long time ago. I, I forget mm -hmm. it's like over a decade ago now. But um, yeah, that, that was me then. And I, I, was very much in the typical i was an art student at lincoln doing fine art so i was very much a stereotypical art student taking a lot of drugs quite regularly experimenting with consciousness you know smoking weed every day that's that sort of mindset um and i was very much into trying to explore other realms to see things you know that that mm -hmm. only cannot perceive i wanted to be there i wanted to know these things so i did everything i could to get the hardest psychedelics i could find including dimethyltryptamine. So by the time I had started going down the conspiracy route, I was already no stranger to the psychedelic realm of things. And that mm -hmm. I was already well, well aware, well, there's definitely some kind of psychedelic spirit realm around me. I've seen it. I can't deny it. My, mm -hmm. From a personal perspective, I'm not here to force that on anybody to believe what I've seen. But I knew, yes, there's something here for certain. And people kept always talking about seeing jesters or machine elves terence mckenna is is he was a huge proponent of this concept and i was listening to him daily you know so I, I i wasn't a spiritual person i was never like hippie-ish about it i was i was raised quite atheistic but i kind of came mm -hmm. into it with that mindset that analytic mindset that exploration mindset and again i just understood psychedelic fractal realm people see jesters and during that process of waking up I was learning a lot about the occult, Gnosticism, symbolism, all that type of thing. And it got to the point where I, I kept hitting a wall, the Christian perspective to all the conspiracy stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go down that route. I never, I was always like, no, nah, I don't need to go there. I'll just keep exploring all the other stuff. The answers can be found elsewhere. But it always kept coming back to whatever, what Jesus did and what happened with all this history, the Nephilim and the demons. And mm -hmm. I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I went down that uh, road and, in 2014, at the end of my degree, um, I had this channel created. Um, I had all this knowledge of the occult and also the knowledge of Jesus and, and the biblical history. And it got to the point where I was at a, such a low point in my life that I kind of had to ask God to save me in a way, to help me, because I just I couldn't function like a normal person anymore. All of my uh, receptors had been fried from all the drugs I've been doing for so many years. I had no direction in life. I didn't know where I next i was in this horrible what's the point of existence if the world's being controlled sort of attitude i was in that mindset of it's what's the point you know and and i basically asked god show me the point help me save me please i need help i can't i can't do this anymore um and he did and from that day i i everything changed i 
what I desired to do, I no longer desired to do. There was really that born again moment in a sense. Mm -hmm. And slowly over those years, since that day, over that, those nine years, I've dropped all these addictions. I, I don't smoke weed. I've been, I think, six, seven years sober off cannabis now. Um, I don't drink. I haven't touched a psychedelic since you know, before 2014. And it's kind of, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even smoke nicotine anymore. I've managed to fully get off the e-cig at the start of this year. It's done. No, I'm, I'm a new person, I would say. But during that time when I was coming off these drugs, I, I started to be heavily attacked, demonically speaking. And I, you know, I, I wasn't aware of just how insane the spiritual war we were in was, was until it started to happen to me. You know, you always hear about these things from other people. Mm -hmm. But when you start having these visions where darkness seeps in from every angle and you feel your own soul being ripped out of your body and then calling on Jesus to help you suddenly stops it, that, that'll, that'll change a man. You know, that'll, that'll make you think twice about what's really going on here. Um, but that was one thing. But one another thing that happened to me, I kept having these weird psychedelic flashbacks, they would call them, where you go back to the DMT realm for no reason whatsoever, years after the fact. And it, it happened once where I basically ended up seeing these jesters people were talking about. It must have been around 2015 period, a year after I had you know, given myself over to God. I'm sat there doing nothing of import whatsoever, or probably watching just watching TV on my dog next to me, doing nothing. And then suddenly my vision's just flooded with this vision of a, a tall, giant, black and white, fractal pattern, jester monster thing in this psychedelic fractal DMT realm, which I was very familiar with. I knew where I was instantly, but I was confronted with this monster. And I had this big, wide, purple-lipped smile with these huge Egyptian-style glowing purple eyes and its head was shaped like a jester's cap, but its skull was just shaped like that. It wasn't wearing a hat. It didn't have some weird leotard on with psychedelic harlequin patterns on. Its skin was that color. Mm -hmm. its, its essence was that shape and pattern, you know. It was in a weird, ethereal, disembodied type form, but it still had that silhouette of, of something akin to a human form, but it, was this, it wasn't human, but it was, it was a giant. And then I was back. And <laughs> after that, I was like, what the hell? What did I just see? I didn't know what to do with that. I put it on the shelf of wonder in the back of my mind and just moved on with life. You know, you don't know what to do with that type of thing. You just leave it, you know. But then these things started to happen in my own research. I, I got heavily into the research of Gary Wayne um, and Rob Skeber and just, just the Book of Enoch, things like that. And I heard about the Watchers mixing with human women, creating giants, these Nephilim creatures. And everywhere I looked, where everyone references the Nephilim, they always show them as incredibly hench-looking human beings, like Conan the Barbarian yeah. style human with a loincloth and a club or something, and just being really, really big and tall, ripped men, you know? And it's like the Watchers and the Fallen Angels are described as seraphim, which are fiery flying serpents. Mm -hmm. Something like that mixing with a, a mammal wouldn't look like a human being. Mm -hmm. They would not look like these typical representations and as an artist i could tell instantly like that's not what they would look like that's that's this is wrong this is just naive to think that they would look this way and uh, mm -hmm. they would have been something else and i was already contemplating and thinking about that concept what would a human with a serpentine bird hybrid monster look like when combined together you know um and then i had this vision of this jester at the same time similar things were going on i had this other dream where I was being chased by this Hatman figure. And the Hatman phenomenon is actually a huge phenomenon I knew nothing about until after I had this dream because I went searching for answers and found out 
millions of people are being having encounters with this strange hat man shadow entity is you the know, hat man the same as the smiling man as well or are they two separate maybe I mean, look, yeah. look your guess is as good as mine i've been trying to figure yeah. this out for years we have the nasa lady uh, that did the book for the nasa guy uh and he saw the hat man you remember when he was ill and he, the the ex-nasa guy like mm-hmm. he saw yeah yeah he had experience with the hat man yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I've been collaborating with other researchers on my channel for years now, trying to get to the bottom of who is the hat man exactly. But what I can gather is, this is my research so far, I think he's kind of like an accountant for the for the demons, like mm-hmm. a lawyer. He's, he deals with contracts. He deals with making sure people honor their end of the bargains in terms of making deals with demons. Mm-hmm. He, like, comes to fulfill the deal. If you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. He seems like he's... he's he's more professional than just your average Nephilim demon. He's something else. He's up there in the hierarchy. And I feel like he's like a, like a lawyer on retainer for them. It's like, that owes me their soul. Go and collect. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. when the hat man comes in. It's a legalistic thing. It feels like that only from my own experience. Cause he, he gave me a call in the dream. He phoned me. Um, after I drank some tea with my dead relatives in the dream, instantly I got a phone call. And he said, I've not forgot about our previous conversation. I'm coming for you now. And then he hangs up on me. Then I have a, a memory in the dream of another dream from years ago where I was performing in front of a stage of millions of people at this muddied festival full of screaming and intense wailing and all sorts of things. It, it basically akin to something like hell, I would say. You know, I don't know what it was exactly. But I remembered I must have made a deal with him then, years ago, and he's coming to collect now in this dream is what I was basically being told. But when he came over the horizon, he was he had like a purple trench coat on with a purple fedora hat, but he had just multiple, multicolored ribbons just flying from the back of him, like a Morris dancer with a maypole type ribbons, just all over the place. He was a psychedelic thing to behold, you know, it was insane. And he was coming towards me. And I ran for my life and he caught up to me and I had to basically wrench myself out of this dream, screaming and sweating. Cause I, I, I felt like I am about, I'm going to die. This is it. This guy's got me now. I'm cornered. This is where I die is what it felt like. Then after that experience with this vision of this jester and just all these demonic attacks coming off these drugs, I felt like they were trying to get me in some way or kill me or before it was too late for them or something. Maybe, mm-hmm. In a way, I was a good vessel for them who was doing all these drugs that they could experience once upon a time. And now I've repented from it and turned away. They have no use for me. And it's like, if I, we can't have you, nobody can type of attitude. I don't know what was going on, but I was having these horrible attacks and um, they've gone now. Now I don't have any of these addictions. I've worked through a lot of problems I had because you smoke weed for eight years. You kind of avoid your problems for eight years. You never confront anything emotionally and internally because you're always in this moment of nothing matters. You know, why bother? Um, but after that, I had a lot of stuff to work, a lot of demons to work through, you know, and all this stuff was going on. Then the 2016 clown sightings happened. Um, my channel was already in full swing by this point. I've been researching the occult, collaborating with other like-minded people, doing research into demonology. And I just had all these connections. And when I saw the clown sightings and I knew the media wouldn't just do this for no reason, they're trying to tell us something. This The clown is a symbol. So what does it mean? So I went out there to find the answer and I made the link between demons and Nephilim in a YouTube search. Just a quick one. Nephilim clowns. Anything at all? Do I find anything? And what I found was one video by some guy who has a YouTube channel called The Epic Conspiracy. And he had like 200 
subscribers or something you and he made these mock conspiracy videos so he made videos pretending to be conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. over dramatizing topics and making mockeries out of them mm-hmm. and he did one on the nephilim specifically and he described the nephilim you know the nephilim are described as having white skin and red hair and big wide smiles there's only one explanation they are interdimensional killer clowns from out of space <laughs> you know and he made this over dramatized like history channel over the top thing about it and as soon as he said that i was like wait a minute what what did you just say <laughs> and i rolled with it he was taking the piss but i i rolled with it i realized mm. no actually if you start scratching under that so the surface of this it goes just keeps going down like and it turns out you know if you don't even don't even want to go off the nephilim stuff that i'm talking about the harlequin is literally mm inserted into theater as a representation of the wild man of europe who is a nephilim demon so historically speaking even without anything i've ever done into the whole representing nephilim through the clown symbology uh the proto clown is a representation of nephilim directly historically speaking and it's not even hidden you know so that's just one facet but that's how i got to it that's where it began and like i said seven years later it's it just kept going just One thing I, I said to Lee the, the other the other day, because uh, I said I said this, this guy's stuff's great. I said, I've, been, I've been binge watching it, uh, and I can remember I'm I'm forty I'm forty three this year, and I don't I don't know how old I was when it came out, but I, I must have been like in my early teens. Um, and when I I I I, I, draw, I used to do a lot of drawing, all the time. Uh, I wish I did more now, but you know, I just editing and stuff like that. That's my art now. But I was quite artistic. And when that film came out, I couldn't stop drawing clowns. And I couldn't figure out why I just wanted to draw clowns over and over again. And I can remember having some weird dreams as a kid. Like uh, there was one of this giant like blue thing in, in the garden. It was It must have been... That was probably before it, but it brought back memories of, of stuff like that. And it got me a thinking because you've you have said a few times, why are children? You can you name it can you think of a, a child that is actually happy when they see a clown? And I, I can't remember ever being happy like with, with clowns. I don't know if it ruined it for me, but clowns are don't they're not they're not friendly looking things. No, uh, it's funny actually. Chorophobia, the fear of clowns, is it's not like the biggest fear in the world, but it's like top five, which is incredible for billions of human beings. It's it's up there with one of the biggest fears that people irrationally they say have, you know. But when you consider my aspect and my research, maybe what we're actually dealing with here is is like a, pred- a predatory prey response because these things were predators at one point in our ancient past. They would have been eating us, you know. Mm-hmm. We've been food to them. So instinctually, it could get ingrained into the human psyche and DNA to have an aversion to things that look this way naturally and to have that impulse to run, to mm-hmm. flee, because that's the, that's the natural response to a predator. Either you freeze or you run, you, you fight or you fly, you know, and that's the response a clown naturally elicits in people. If not, in some weird way, and these are only outliers, by the way, it's like maybe like... Some people are indifferent to clowns. Very few people love clowns and actually think yeah. they're actually funny, but they do exist, you know. And I, I find it interesting. You think of a clown, they're always associated with children, aren't they? The for the kids is how we do mm-hmm. it. 
and kids give the most extreme reactions to things. There's no middle ground with a child or a toddler. Mm -hmm. It's either they're laughing or they're crying. There's no in between. <laughs> they don't. They can't regulate emotion. You know. So if you put a clown in front of a child, you're going to get one or two reactions. They're either going to scream and cry their eyes out and wrench themselves in fear, or they're going to laugh. That's usually mm -hmm. one of the two. It's fear. It's laughter or fear. And when you consider that demons seem to have this weird phenomenon of feeding off people's energy, I hear this all the time. It's kind of like energetic vampires. People describe demons as having these strange traits. Well, if someone's wearing a clown costume, it's channeling a demon, then that demon is in front of a child, scaring the hell out of them through the image of a clown. Then that energy can be fed to the person channeling it from the child. You know what I mean? And I do I think there's something to be said there for why Shriners, who all have their own clown sect you know they all dress mm -hmm. like clowns in each shrine go to children's hospitals specifically dying children to do this thing you know it, it just i know it sounds weird but when you start making these strange connections why are secret societies obsessed with the icon of a clown why would shriners a supposedly arabic inspired you know moorish inspired architecture subcult of which is higher than the Freemasons, by the way. You have to be a Freemason first before you can be a Shriner. Why would they be interested in clowns? Yeah, I, I'd never heard of the Shriners until I listened to the podcast, you, the, the last podcast I did with you. I thought it was yeah. fascinating. I'd, I'd never heard of it at all. Even above them, by invite only, by the way, you have to have been a full-fledged Freemason, then worked your way through to the top ranks of Shrining. You could, you could be invited to the most highest honor of being a jester the royal order of the jesters mm -hmm. and only 13 people are brought in every year and you have to be chosen if you ask you'll never get in it's simple as that and the highest order they consider themselves to be jesters that's what they call themselves the royal order of the jesters and their logo is basically a baby man with a huge erect phallus usually Sometimes it literally is just a giant penis on the pins, but sometimes they put a gavel there instead as like some kind of tongue-in-cheek thing. It's basically a child sex cult when you get to that level. And I think the people who get there are like the Jokers in Batman, the most sadistic, insane members they can find who they know will fully channel the demon willingly, happily, with glee and joy and do the most heinous things with no conscience because that's what the demon within them wants to experience through their vessel, their body. You know, you dress like the thing to channel the thing. Or the royal lord of the jesters i imagine dress like clowns and jesters and mutilate and do horrible things to children i imagine that's basically what it comes down to and uh, they got messed up in some kind of weird scandal which has been scrubbed from the internet but from what i can find is they were done for sex trafficking from across the border that's all you get in terms of details now, if they wanted just a prostitute they could have gone down the street the things mm -hmm. you bring in from across the border are probably underage you know that's what these things that's what these people are into it, it uh, always seems to be it doesn't it too if, if if any of these sort of secret societies or um or by bent politicians and stuff you just scratch under the surface and trafficking is there you know, and it yeah. usually usually leads back to child trafficking somewhere some people it's, have theorized the jesters are the traffickers they're like the pimps mm -hmm. for the other the rest of the secret societies like the shriners and the freemasons below them the, the jesters are the ones you go to to get the children, mm. to, get, to get the adrenochrome, you know, to get the drugs, to get all the things that they want for their parties. They're like the fun guys that you go to to get all the stuff for the crazy, wild, satanic stuff that's about to come. They'll they'll supply the things, you know. Um, that's There's loads of theories about what the Royal Order of the Jesters do, but you, you'll be hard-pressed to find 
any information. It's a secret society. They don't give those kind of secrets away so easily. Have you ever found any people that have been linked to it or in it? You know, of note? They would know they would never mention it, but um I did find one funny enough, there was one video that's been going around for years. I think it's like an X X Factor winner from Australia or something. And he did like a five hour expose after he came to Christ, exposing the secret society he was in, he was a member of. And he does like a good 20 minutes on the Royal Order of the Jesters, you know, and he, he gives some really dark insights there, which you just don't see anywhere else. But it's all hearsay. You don't, mm. you don't actually know what's going on in these places, you know, because it's they are really occulted, the most the most occulted society out of them all. And I find it interesting that the highest order, they call themselves the Royal Order of the Jesters. When you consider what I'm talking about, it fits in. It's, it's, it's right there with everything I'm going on about. Yeah. Have you ever had any like kind of backlash from the clown community you know like like have you, have you ever had like clowns no. in you? like anybody say i'm a clown i've done it for 25 years <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was I mean, terrifying like a, a car pulled off and then like 70 of them got out <laughs> it's on now yeah they're coming to collect <laughs> uh, i think i've been too obscure up until recently for them to realize that i exist saying these things but um it's funny i released a video last week um for some reason, this one just took off. It's on like 120,000 views. I've gained like 6,000 subscribers from it. And as a result, I've noticed on Twitter now, people are saying things like the Nephilim look like clowns and anyone who's a clown who posts their stuff, you know. Mm. Um, I just saw one recently, which was posted and I was tagged in. And it's um, it's it's some guy, some very androgynous looking guy in full clown makeup sat in his car saying, I must pay taxes and I must work and I must do all these things. Is it not enough that I make people laugh? Is it not enough that... And he's saying some really weird entitled satanic stuff, you know, in a really weird way. Um, and he, he says something really, really occult and obscure that I'd, even I don't understand. It must mean something online. There's some weird, weird subculture he's in. I don't know what it is, but he, met, he references something very bizarre in it. I can't remember what it is right now. Just go to my Twitter. I posted it. You'll see it there. But... Uh, <laughs> a few people underneath there have commented like yeah this guy's possessed by demons look at the nephilim like clowns it's, it's spreading you know i don't have to do anything anymore people are just saying it to people who dress like clowns now so we'll see what backlash i end up getting because it'll inevitably lead back to my work in the end so mm -hmm. so far not much no um I've, I've not had many people point out to me that what i'm saying is wrong i've had a lot of people juggalos included coming to me saying what you're saying makes a lot of sense and it's answering things i've never thought about before which uh fit perfectly in their own experiences being people who dress like clowns quite regularly people who go to these you know and they're saying actually you know now you've said it like that that mm. it makes sense of a lot of my own personal experiences i do get a lot of messages like that you know so Funnily enough, maybe I'm actually helping people come out of clowndom, if you want to call it anything. But uh, it's it's a weird one because I, I, I think a lot of people are ignorant. They don't know that that's what they're doing. They literally think I'm doing this to make children laugh. They have good intentions. You know, mm -hmm. what I mean, Not everyone who dresses like a clown thinks or knows that they're inadvertently thinning that veil and portalizing mm -hmm. themselves for demons. I don't think they realize that. But um mm -hmm. I haven't. I've yet to meet many clowns online who aren't a little bit sus. I'm not going to lie. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're all a bit strange. They all have something weird going on. So I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think a lot of people fetishize it today as well. It's getting. Yeah, weird. I, I I knew a, a guy that used to do like a clown act, and um, 
it was one of those things where you you knew he was oddly enough he was a local he was our local butcher um but the, so you knew he did this clown thing but obviously we're going to the pub and stuff for like that clowns aren't just walking in the pub every day and uh he 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 was he was in the pub all the all the time you know when he, when he wasn't doing doing the, the clown thing or at work and then there was one time where his, I think his booking, his part, party was cancelled, and he was he was on it all and stuff. And he just came into the pub, and it obviously this is well before any of this sort of stuff caught my attention. But what I did find out watching him was how different his personality was, and it was it was really quite strange how how different his personality was from just the person that you've always seen. For it's like it's not like you know I'm a I'm a decorator. I don't I don't have a different personality for walking in a pub in my work clothes. Yeah, well, well that's for a cup of, cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, there's something about wearing masks that does change people. This is well understood and well known. Even like I said, especially in these cultures I talk about on my channel, um, that's the most common practice during the rituals. They'll they'll wear this demonic mask along with clothing to match, usually multiple tassels of some kind or bells or something or or fur, a lot of fur costumes. But the mask is always very similar. Big bulging eyes, big wide toothy smile of some way, um, perhaps horns, if not some weird golden headdress or a red headdress is very common as well, if not with feathers. But masks are a tool used to intentionally channel and change the personality of the person doing the ritual. And the person doing the ritual, they embody the spirit and act in the way of when they were the mask of that particular spirit. Some cultures like um, uh, Sri Lanka, for example, have these, a set of about 32 different demon masks, which they would wear during this big long ritual. And every time they put on a different mask, they embody a different character and become a completely different person, you know, to embody that one specific illness that from this demon, which this mask represents, you know. Um, and I don't think being ignorant of the, the rule doesn't make you immune to it so when we do it here in the west we think it's something silly wearing a mask it doesn't do anything to us mm. but i think it does i think in a way you, your personality will instinctively change when you put on a mask not simply from the anonymity it brings alone and the confidence that can give people in the psychological sense that's usually what people go to in the secular world you know psychologically speaking putting on a mask will make you act in ways which you otherwise wouldn't because you feel the confidence of the anonymity I don't think, I think it goes way deeper than that. I think mm. depending on what the visage of the mask is, depends on what you'll end up channeling. And if you lean more towards pale white skin, red lips, big prominent eyebrow ridges in some way, big wide smiles, then you're channeling Nephilim. That's what inevitably you'll end up channeling. You'll end up channeling what it looks like, which is the Nephilim creatures. And the Nephilim, I think, were sadistic jokers in a sense. I think they had that kind of personality. Um, I hear loads of stories. Uh, there's many, actually. I just heard one recently about in the Philippines. And they have this strange, I can't pronounce the name. It begins with T. It's a big, long word. But they call this particular monster. They say it has either one eye or it varies what it is. But it has a big, wide, toothy grin, a big, long neck. It kind of is it's kind of like a giant, 12 foot tall. Um, and it eats children. That's what it likes to do. And apparently, they have this superstition that you can assuage it by telling it a really good joke. And it'll leave you. It'll leave you alone if you make it laugh. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Why? Why would you even associate that with a creature like this? You know. And there's another one as well in um, the Duwamish tribes of the American plains. Uh, they have this oral tradition story where they talk about these things called the Nung Nungs, which were a tribe of giants that once were adjacent from across the river. And 
they kind of lived with the Giants, kind of. They, they didn't like them. They didn't. They hated the Giants, but they couldn't do anything about it because they're Giants. What, what the hell are you supposed to do, you know? So they tried to live with them relatively peacefully for a while. And they tell stories about how the Giants would play pranks on them, cruel mm. pranks, tricks that they knew the humans would just wind the humans up. Um, just, just silly things like stealing all the clothes off the washing lines and then running back with them and they'll never see them again. Or just, just putting things into trees so they can't reach them. You know, just just silly, annoying, petty things. Then then it, it would progressively get worse as time went on, and then they would start telling, coming, just crashing parties or coming into the village at the, uh, in the middle of the night, and then they'd come around the fire and they start telling these horrible, disgusting, sexualized jokes. And the tribe, even the tribesmen, were like, "This is this is horrible. This is disgusting stuff they're talking about." Like they, they weren't impressed, but they thought it was hilarious. These giants were just laughing about it, like this is the funniest thing ever. Um, and then then it got to the point where they started stealing the women. And some women came back, some didn't. And the ones that did come back were raped. They didn't have anything good to say. You know what I mean? It was mm. it was brutal, you know. And then one day the men decided, oh, I'm going to stand up to these things. And the, the chief and the, and you know said, you need to stop doing this to us. Stop it, please. We do everything you ask for us. We give you food. You know, we have done nothing wrong to you. Why do you do this to us? You need to stop. And just just for simply asking them to stop, the Nung Nungs went crazy. How dare these pathetic, tiny humans stand up to us and speak to us like that? And they just decimated the tribe. They threw men in the air above the tree canopies, let them just fall to the ground, splatter, tore the heads off all the young men, and just, just decimated them and left a few people alive to just tell the story, basically. And that story still passed down today. It never left them. That tribe has never recovered mentally from that experience. But they do describe them as being jokesters, tricksters, pranksters with a sick sense of humor specifically that story yeah the paranormal community you hear a lot of the trickster phenomenon associated yeah. with very haunts or whatever it's it always comes up that there's this it's a malevolent but it's also like a sick twisted kind of humor mm -hmm. you know what i mean but a lot of, a lot of people especially in the dmt verse you know the psychedelic trippers they're, they're stuck in this still in this jungian psychological paradigm of symbols they think everything they're seeing is some kind of archetype it's a reflection of the collective consciousness of humanity. It's there to teach us a lesson, like in a dream symbolic type way. And um, the, the jester archetype who basically when you go to this realm, mocks you, calls you pathetic, says you're stupid as if you think life is real. Why don't you just kill yourself and says all these stupid things. <laughs> the person's listening to this demon, tell them all these things and go mm -hmm. say to themselves, this is just me telling me not to take life too seriously. Like how ignorant and stupid can you be? Like th they're not dealing with, archetypes these are not symbolic references to the collective consciousness of humanity and their knowledge trying to teach you something to make you wiser mm -hmm. it's a tangible disembodied spirits with their own personalities and agendas that once existed and are now trapped in this place your mm -hmm. ignorance and being ignorant of that fact this leaves you open to, to deception it leaves you open to possession you'll end up bringing one back with you if you're completely open to these things mm -hmm. Um, it's no joke. <laughs> I know we're talking about clowns and jesters, yeah. but it's not actually a laughing matter. It really isn't. I saw some yeah. of the images. Oh, sorry. Go, go no, on. no, go on, Ollie. It's fine. I was just going to say, I saw some of the, the images that you've brought up on your channel uh, from other cultures. I do find, like, one thing really interesting this. They all did paint these kind of colors. And it's, it's a bit like when you talk about the pyramids. We're having these pyramids all over the earth. 
well, how come these different cultures that didn't meet each other were, were drawing these creatures with white faces with these kind of like eyes and yeah. these big smiles and big teeth um it's it's quite it's quite convincing to to the theory it's monolithic i understand it, how it sounds a lot of people have been offended with me saying oh so you're saying just every culture out there is just worshiping demons how stupid how how like myopic of you to be so you know naive to human histories every every culture they think every culture is unique and different and therefore separately true they're not i i know i don't like i'm not trying to be cruel i'm not trying to put other people's cultures down but you'll find we have a shared human history like mm -hmm. all of human history is the same one story just with different stylistic cultural ways of representing it and that's what my work's trying to show we all encountered these creatures these creatures dominated us on every corner of the earth no matter where you were they became the kings and rulers and we all have our own mythologies and stories to describe these things that do vary slightly you know and because everyone had a slightly different experience the earth's a big place and these nephilim interact with humans in many different ways and they would have had slightly different forms reptiles don't all look the same but they're all reptiles you know that's mm -hmm. there are variations in the way they represent these creatures and they all call them different things but they're talking about the exact same creature it's the nephilim and they all use similar aesthetical stylistic choices when creating these outfits they were to channel them and you'll find that they have a base white skin polka dots red lips wide smile large eyes red headdress in some way shape or form ribbons psychedelic colored clothing some ways of making the skin patterned like a snake or a serpent or an amphibian or a bird it's always the same it's i was listening um I was listening to, to a lot of stuff like before we before this show, show came up, and I can't remember now because I listened to so much. I can't remember whether it was something I listened to on your channel or not. Did you do? Did you do a like a short video about dragons, or was that somebody else? I, I did talk about dragons on my channel actually. Was it yeah. was it you? Was it you that that, that, that pointed out that if you stuck uh, a load of people that had never that had been that had never spoke to anybody else somewhere in the world, and you just launched them somewhere? didn't have contact with them for like 6,000 years, went back, they would have their own dragon myths because everyone has a dragon myth, for instance. That wasn't me. All right, no, I just, I just thought it was a really good way of rounding up, you know, like the, um, the like you say, the shared history and shared um, shared fears of, of various different things. You know, at what part, at what part of uh, like the human psyche does everybody end up with like these like reptilian style style predators that are there because it, it really makes no sense mm -hmm. well some people think they're good guys some people think they were bad guys it depends what perspective you viewed them from at the time mm -hmm. like some people venerate them still today other cultures fear fear them and want to scare them away i mean it, but the point is they all have this same myth that and this is this is what i mean some some of them are highly more stylized than others so the enoch would say watchers came down from the heavens and mated with human women but then some culture would say father sky came down and fertile his fertile rains mixed with gaia mother earth it's the same story you know mm -hmm. but it's a highly stylized symbolic version of talking about heaven mixing with the earth and creating giants monsters hybrids of some kind i mean if you go to the wangina for example in the kimberley region of western australia now australia has about 3,000 different tribes of Aborigines. Okay, so this is just one, one story, but they all share a cultural same visage of the rainbow serpents in the sky. 
the rainbow serpents were the ones that created reality by moving through the land with their bodies and creating the troughs and the meadow, you know, the hills for the mountains. But it's also these strange rain gods came down or were created through the rainbow serpent mixing with the earth in some way. And then what we have are these human rainbow serpent hybrids called the Wanginas, which built civilization for that particular region. They built the cities and created their culture. They are their ancestor spirits, but they're not human. They're not described as being human. And what they do to still honor these ancient creatures that they consider the builders of their reality is they paint them on the walls and they repaint old rock paintings that have been there for thousands of years. Every year they do them again over the paint to make sure they stay there. Because it's said that when a Wangina died, it crawled into the cave and painted an image of itself. And these things, I am not allowed in the eyes of the Kimberley region to paint a Wangina. It's so sacred to them that they would call it cultural appropriation and they would try to sue you for even trying to do it. Like only their shamans are allowed to paint the Wangina. Because that, but if you look at a Wangina, in fact, if you go to my channel right now and look at the thumbnail for this video, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a clown. It is literally a clown. It has polka dot clothing on with a white neck ruffle. It has white skin with big black eyes. It has a big red halo afro. And it's it's wearing a clown costume. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it is a clown as we would describe it today. But this is ancient. And they, they wouldn't call them a clown. They don't have any concept of a clown in their culture. Like It's not something... It's how we, we've copied it. What we have done is looked at these patterns throughout all these cultures. And we've incorporated it into what we call a clown here in the West. We've they've purposely created this symbol based off of all of these other cultures' ways of representing the Nephilim. And, you know, the Wangina is a very specific, identical clown-looking creature. Just type it in, you know, it, it's terrifying how much of a clown this thing actually looks like. But it's a sacred, ancient serpent offspring of the serpent. How, how do you spell Wangina? Um, W-A-N. D-J-I-N-A. Uh, -A. Oh, I would have never got that. I would have never got that. You definitely want to. It's a one Gina. Yeah. Oh, wow. Once the D was in there, I was like, ah, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> you found um, So the, yeah. like, the idea of clowns being, like, being put out into like pop culture and stuff like that, do you think that was just done as a way of like worshiping these things in plain sight. Yeah, it's it's a way of normalizing it in our own minds and getting people to venerate them mm -hmm. and idolize them in a way. It, it's it's a bit of pre-predictive pre programming for when these things manifest back into our reality, perhaps. But I think it also it's just a way of getting people to dress like them. You know, if you popularize the clown in modern society, every Halloween you're going to get plenty of people dressing like clowns mm -hmm. during the time period where the veil is supposedly the thinnest during Sarwain, as they call it. You know, yeah. they, that's what the Celts believe, that the veil between the spirit world and the physical world is at its thinnest point during the winter solstice, specifically Halloween period, which they called Sawain. So if you can popularize a clown in media every so often to make sure the next round of Halloween goers will dress like a clown, brilliant. So that's why you always see a new Joker rendition every three years or so. Yeah. It always gets his reboot, you know what I mean? That's why uh, the, the demonic clown thing is highly popular. The terrifying movie that's come out and just had its second one come out as well. Art the clown. You've got to popularize these things in the minds of people. And the more people they can get dressing this way, the more channels they're opening up. Uh, this is why I believe in um just at the start of this year, they did try this once in 2019. They tried to introduce clown fashion on the runways. 
Mm. And in 2019, he was actually rejected. People were like, what are you doing? This is stupid. This looks terrible. You know, we're not going to make any money off this. No one's going to dress this way. But then in 2023, just this year, they did it again. And it's been open-armed. Everyone's clapping. This is so avant-garde. Everyone's clown core, clown fashion is, is the fashion of 2023. We want people dressing like clowns. And if you don't dress like this, you're behind. You're not fashionable. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Type yeah. in 2023 L, clown fashion, yeah. runways, people dressing like clowns on the highest end runway fashion shows in France, you know, legitimately trying to dress like a clown and say this is how people should start dressing. This yeah, you, um, you you brought up an interesting thing as well on one of the, the other shows you did because it was uh, – I listened to this after um, – earlier in the year. Uh, me and Ollie went over to uh, to America to, to hang out with Dave and um, we 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 did some stuff, and I had quite a quite profound psychedelic experience when we were out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it was full sort of ego death. I think I was uh, like long story short, have explained this on on the show. The uh, like I was faced with like a moving wooden wall in front of me. That and every time that moved, it would explain more bad things about myself, and it kept doing this. And then in the end, oddly enough, one of the things I saw in it was a a man with a fedora with no face. It was like a, a flat skinned face and a red tie. Um, but also in like when it was kind of imparting knowledge on me, and I know you've kind of um, brought this up, which is the best YouTube friendly way of saying this, with our. Um, like questions around gender identity and stuff like that now, and the and the the that sort of drag act, which is essentially like lots of times something that looks very much like a demonic clown. Mm-hmm. One of the the part bits of information this said entity was given to me when I, before I came out was it was explaining to me all this stuff, and then it kind of just left at the bottom and said, "Oh yeah," because obviously I've got a I've got a six year old son and that stuff and um education wise worries me about what he's gonna be subjected to and have to go through as he he gets older at school and this entity kind of just turned around to me said yeah yeah don't worry about that you just you just blown out proportion don't 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 you worry about any of that sort of stuff and um it was only when i like because and i i was very much like the the guys will say when, when we've spoken about this before I was very much looking at all of this stuff as a positive, all of this stuff as like I was being like departed, imparted some sort of wisdom that I didn't have, have before. And then listening to what you were saying about the other side of it as these things being tricksters and maybe the information they're giving you is not quite as friendly. All of a sudden that one bit of like, just don't worry about that thing, Lee. You're fine and everything else. You just you, you just let that one run. That It really resonated with me when you, when you started talking about that. It sounds like you you encountered the hat man then from the sounds of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like something akin to that. And yeah, I've made a video in the past basically saying, why do you listen to demons? They're liars. Like they, mm-hmm. everything they say is literally a lie. That's the point. That's kind of the, that's their shtick. That's what they're known for. Like don't believe a word they say. Their end goal is basically to get you to kill yourself and to convince yeah. you it's a good idea. That's their end goal. Before, you're, before you find Christ, they want you dead. That's basically all they've got to do. 
that's their job, you know. And they'll they'll tell you anything. They'll tell you anything they want as long as you can get get them on your side. If they think you're useful, they'll keep you around for a little bit and they'll use you as a tool for, to get that message out. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to say, oh, don't, don't worry about that. That's nothing. That's fine. Yeah. You know? But there's definitely an agenda. I, I myself, me and my wife, uh, my son's only two, but we're already we're not putting him into school. No way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no chance. I'm not putting him through that machine. Um, we're going to homeschool him, definitely. Because it, it's all pervasive. They are really forcing it on the children, you know, and mm -hmm. this is it's always the kids. They always come for the kids, don't they? And they get them, they get these clowns reading books to them, you know, and it's no, I can't, I can't allow it myself. Yeah. No, I no, you're yeah. saying, yeah. I think we're, we're probably 100% on the same page with that. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned like the, uh, like, dressing as a clown and acting as a clown and how it affects people did did you ever think about the heath ledger thing when he played the joker absolutely well he was like i said being ignorant of the law doesn't make you immune to the law it doesn't make you you know safe from it if you dress like a clown you're going to channel the demons you're making yourself a thinner veiled vessel easier for them to get into it's, yeah. that's if, you drink, if you drink poison thinking it's lemonade it's still gonna fuck you up <laughs> basically yeah and <laughs> you know he said himself he took the whole the whole method acting thing you never really stopped being the joker off the screen yeah took it home with him you know mm -hmm. and that's basically he was possessed that's what he's saying there you know it's that's another word for i couldn't get this spirit out of me i kept being like it no matter what i did you know and i think the joker spirit gets passed on to new people all the time throughout the especially through the mainstream media but there are plenty of people who every Halloween dress that way in the new version of it, the new idol mm -hmm. version. Of it. Obviously the Joker part does whatever it's called. Follow do is about to come out mm -hmm. and you're going to have another round of thousands of people inspired by it, dressing like the Joker. And you get the women involved with Harlequin as well while you're at it. You know, it's I was just going to say if you've, if, if there was anything, um, well, how sorry, where's my, where's my sentence gone? It, if there was any more evidence that there is some sort of cultural control or influence being being used in that film, it's the fact that Lady Gaga is now being cast in it. Yeah, she <laughs> was always a clown, wasn't she? To begin yeah. with, that thing. she's well known for being that type of person. Mm -hmm. she, she had like cheek implants to make herself look more pointy, like a demon. At one point, mm. she she's openly admitted, you know, that she prays to Lucifer and all these type of things. It's not hidden who the agenda that these some of these people are lying look what to. Madonna, look what Madonna looks like now. <laughs> they, they that's that's not how people age. That's 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 not what happens to like no. skull shape. That's so weird. What I thought was strange is Kylie Minogue suddenly has the number one hit that just came out very recently. Isn't she like eighty or something? Like, how are these people still around? Yeah, looking like they're in the thirties. You know, I mean, some, yeah. something. Well, I think that goes down a whole other rabbit hole to do with adrenochrome and other things. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Which, but in terms of the clown stuff, Heath Ledger's a cautionary tale. I mean, like I said earlier, the end game is to get you to die. That's the point, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what channeling these things will inevitably lead to. It'll lead to death. That's kind of their end goal. That's the last joke. Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's that's kind of the last that's where they want to lead people. So I see I see lots of people channeling the clown today, clown core was a huge trend on TikTok in the last two years. And you'll find a lot of young people, teenagers, are donning the clown aesthetic, as they call it, you know, as a legitimate fashion choice and like an underground subculture in some way. And you, I watch these videos of them, and not only are they just so cringe, like they are so cringy as hell, like you can tell they've, they've lost something. There's something about their demeanor which is just 
why do they why are they so drawn to to donning themselves like this it's become their personality in a way it's taken over them in a way and and, and it's a creepy trend but it's a highly popular trend and they say because of the lockdown people mm -hmm. found some happiness in dressing like a clown to bring some much needed levity to an otherwise sad few years of loneliness and isolation or something like that that's how they sell it with these nice words on the articles that praise these movements you know but it in light of my own research this is this is a manifestation of something dark i mean at very best like if you, if you uh if you have to stay in your house for a while and you start dressing as a clown 10 years ago we'd have probably been calling some sort of mental health expert not like celebrating it and going oh well isn't this a good way of dealing with stress like exactly. no it's yeah. fucking weird <laughs> it's, exactly. it's 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 comical just how accepting everyone has become of this thing you know and how this this is the year of the clown i've called it 2023 mm -hmm. they are pushing it hard this year and um, my next video which i'm i've written the script for i just need to say it and put the images to it but um it's basically a review of the past decade and how the clown trend has gone through mainstream media up until now to today and it culminates with this this video that's just come out called the um the amazing digital circus it's kind of a, an online animation that's some, just blown up. It's huge. It has like 200 million views or something stupid. And people are obsessing over it now and creating theories and all sorts of things because it's left on a cliffhanger. And it was just a pilot episode, but it's basically a bunch of people trapped in a fractal circus matrix dressed in circus themed clothing that's run by an AI that they can't leave, you know? And people are fantasizing over the main character, this, this child looking jester woman called Pomni. And you know what the internet's like the, the, the perverts on there. They are mm. hypersexualizing this thing, and you know, clown porn, <laughs> if you want to call it anything, is now being kind of like an undercurrent to this whole phenomena of the amazing digital circus. There's some weird underground subculture developed from it. It's only been around for like a month, and it's just mm. people latched onto it oh, and are wow. praising this thing, this clown-themed, circus-themed animation as the greatest thing to ever exist ever. It's like, how did we get to the point where this is what people are so drawn to instinctually and love so much? And I, I go through it because people want me, the guy who talks about clowns, to mm. analyze the whole episode and break it down bit by bit with all the symbolism. That's all there. People have done it. Mm. But what I'm going to show in my video is this is just a product of the times. This is not an accident that this has suddenly appeared and everyone loves it. If you go past, the, like I said, the past decade, it's been building up to this. And like I said, this acceptance and love of clown-like imagery has been programmed into us. Well, them anyway. You know, these people are obsessing over it. It's not an accident. And I'm, I'm map I've mapped it all out. And that's what the next video will show very clearly. So have you got a theory about where it's headed? Just get, get as many people as they can to don the clown aesthetic. Let's make it like the Hunger Games type world where everybody's dressing in multicolored fractal patterned clothing. And... Um, make that kind of makeup style the style the most popular style mm. the more portals they can open the more channels they can open the more demonic entities they can get into people it's it's literally that simple and that will have an adverse effect on society as a whole anyway as time goes on mm. and i think a lot of this has a lot to do as well with the transhumanist agenda which comes in with the trans agenda the dehumanization agenda blurring mm. of all these lines what it means to be a human being you know clowning oneself up is to reinvent yourself as something completely different from what you are you create a brand new identity when you put clown makeup on, you know, um, it dehumanizes you to the max. When you cake somebody in full white makeup, 
you've just created a blank canvas to then paint whatever you want on top of. I think it's to encourage that style of thinking about you can be whatever you want to imagine yourself to be. And when we get to the world of augmented reality, AI realities, body modification through transhumanist means, it's just the next, it's a stepping stone thing. So we're in that early stages, but the reintroduction of this clown aesthetic, it's just the beginning. It really is. But it's, it's a big step when you think about it, because think about in the fifties, people dressing like clowns regularly. It's unheard of, you know, it's a, it's a huge leap from where we were even just 20 years ago. You know, this is, it's weird. It's very weird. I don't even have it. So, sorry, just, just quickly, it's an interesting that you talk, you talk about putting uh, putting masks on and, um, like creating new identities and that, that leaving you open like to demonic attack. Yeah. It makes you wonder like for virtual reality, the, there can be no finer example of putting a mask on and becoming a different person. And I, I, it just dawned on me there. I wonder what correlation that has with leaving yourself open. Because you're literally leaving your, you're leaving your physical form just open in the physical world while your mind is off somewhere else being something, something else. Well, there's probably something to it. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, well, I'm re- anything's possible for me. You know, mm. I'm, I'm open. I'm game for that being true. I don't play video games anymore. I don't have time because I've obviously I have a bloody toddler running around, and I've, that's my life. You know, doing this yeah. and uh, looking after a child. So, I, I my Xbox has gathered dust for the past two years. I haven't gone near the thing since having a kid. And you know, I, I played a lot of games in the past. I understand losing yourself into the fictional world. I get it. I, I was much of a first person shooter type guy. You know, I loved story heavy games like half-life or bioshock and these mm-hmm. type of games you know that's my world my realm if what if i wasn't online on battlefield one re- reliving the world war one you know that's that's what i was doing and i get i get it i get the pull you know and i've not gone down the virtual reality route myself but there's, there's got to be something mm. every video game i've ever seen in hindsight in retrospect is laden with occult symbolism it's retelling yeah. the same antediluvian stories with a new fictional twist and a new aesthetical layer on top of it. Nothing's new under the sun. And in hindsight, a lot of these games I played in the past, like Bioshock, are talking about a lot of these conspiratorial concepts, priming young minds to accept the thing that's going to come in the future with that. Bioshock's an incredible example of it because that like we we all know was um was did they call it Ambrosia in the in the Bioshock? What was the oh, it was no, uh... Plasmids. Was it yeah? yeah the um, Eve, didn't they? Adam was the thing that yeah. gave you the power to mutate and get new powers through plasmids or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just acknowledged a thumbs up there. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you used Eve to recharge the energy to use the powers, but basically using yeah. Adam can change your genetic makeup. And it even says that your genetic code is being rewritten when you first take it, and it gives you superpowers. Yeah, and it was it was Adam you harvested through the children. Yeah, um, what it is, you take Adam into your body, which is harvested from a sea slug, I think it was, that they found. Because yeah. they're underwater, aren't they? This utopic Yeah, world. yeah. They found a special sea slug, which had this chemical, which would rewrite human DNA. And you could basically just ch- change people into whatever you wanted. But once people died, it was kind of stuck in them. Mm-hmm. So they used these little girls, didn't they, with huge syringes who were genetically engineered to harvest the Adam out of the dead bodies using mm-hmm. a huge syringe. So they would, she would drink the blood of the dead and then she would extract the Adam from the blood of the dead victim into her own body. And then she could then hard, they would then harvest that out of her body 
and recycle it so they could use it again. Mm. Yeah, that's what the purpose of those. It's sadistic when you think about it. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's just right. drinking blood. You know, <laughs> that's what the game is. <laughs> and it's in and for for the sake of people getting superpowers, it's the idea that you know these things are unethical from start to finish. You know, it's an Adrenochrome reference as well. Using the yeah, but that that's what I was going to get to is the Adrenochrome oh, uh, reference in it. Yeah, but these these are games I played as a teenager without even thinking twice about, and I was going around harvesting Adam from little girls in this video game. Think about that concept, and you know, thousands of millions of people have done that. And Just I didn't say that I finished it without harvesting one of the children. And I didn't think about it. <laughs> I, 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 I did the good, I did every run, I did the good run, the bad you run. The you yeah. get all the endings, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, and <laughs> but you don't consciously think about it because it's a video game, it's yeah. not important. But what it's doing, it is doing something to your mind because when you're in it, you feel like you're actually there. You are that protagonist in that fictional world doing those things. The room's lost to you. You are that screen now, you know, and your consciousness is living this fantasy, isn't it? Even if it is through a controller. And God, AI is just even more immersion into that reality, you know. And I've noticed a lot of AI games are horror themed. They've leaned heavily yeah. into the horror experience, haven't they? You know? In general, does horror really well. If you if you try it and make, make things, it it does it does horror much better than it does anything nice. AI. I, yeah. Yeah. I had a, you, you, I, yeah. I had a conversation with, uh, we, we, we did the Christmas photos like we do every year at my, at my mate's house. And he's like, he, he does Photoshop and that. And I just said, have you messed with any of the AI stuff? He says, he says, yeah, it doesn't, it's not that great on Photoshop. And some of the stuff, it just doesn't do well when it comes to families and being nice. Um, but when I was doing the, these the thumbnails for these, I mean, I've got some runner-ups here that 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 nearly made it into the thing, <laughs> and like these things and that. This was the one that I ended up using. I just took the red nose off and changed the skin and made the frill like reptile yeah. frill. Yeah. But but yeah, it's, it, you can easily make for a channel like Alien Addict it's ideal because you can just if you can you can make alien monstery stuff so easy it's the easiest thing to make just does it so well but yet it can't do human hands very well no well i have a telegram group um with about 500 people in it and there's a member on there called robert and he's always posting his ai renditions of what the nephilim clowns would look like i use a few of them on my own thumbnails i've I've seen them yeah i've seen i've seen you going through them He's brilliant. I, I don't know what prompts he is using, but that thing knows what those Nephilim look like. Like he has nailed it. And what you've just come up with there was on on it was it, you know, that's pretty much it. Like imagine a human reptile hybrid, and that's pretty much what you would actually get. A lot of people think lizard men would look green and boring with just some gold eyes or something. This whole reptilian phenomena, but no, what they would actually look like is insane. They would be extremely colorful. They would be terrifying to behold. And you know. Feathers would be involved in some way as well, you know, bright, colorful features as nature tends to be. And those images you just showed me there yeah, were terrifying, but pretty much it. And AI does do horror, like you said, extremely well. And it always does seem to lean towards scary, smiley monsters whenever you try and do anything with it at all. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't, have you seen the Azavora animation, the capsule, the conformity? Did you see that one? No. All right. So he, he made his own animation where he made his own 
Bioshock style, actually, retro futuristic styled animation using nothing but AI and mid journey. It's about a world of conformity where people put on these white smiling masks and basically give themselves over to, to the society and lose their individuality. And everything he's created is like Nephilim trapped in a fractal circus world in some way. And it, it's, there's something weird about AI. People say it is literally just channeling demons. I'm not so heavily in that world myself, but there's something something about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's showing us. Dave, have you got the uh, the thing you sent us as a bit back with the uh, the what? I can't remember what it was. That the AI. I speak. Thing. I speak English only. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. But that, I do have <laughs> that thing you sent us the other day. What what AI's Im impression of? Can't remember what it was. It was some sort of weird eyeball thing. Oh, angels, champ. Angels, the biblically described oh, yeah. angels that AI interprets. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, yes. Before we jump to that, though, so Orphan Reg, the question Are we empowering these entities by focusing on them, giving them more coherence by our focused attention? Probably, but we're also getting them clicks. So, you know, you got to weigh it up. We got to get subscribers somehow, <laughs> Sasha. You know it's that. Funny, it's funny, actually, uh, the last podcast I was on asked me the same question. Um, and I, I don't believe simply talking about them gives them power. I think you have to channel them through the means I've explained. Um, if anything, what I'm doing right now is not in their favor in any way, shape or form, because it's exposing what they actually, the, the real intentions are. And also me pointing out the fact that they are a defeated enemy that you can literally cast out in the name of Jesus Christ, that they're done for. That's They're not even going to bother coming near people who could who they know have that knowledge to do that they prey on the ignorant that's the point they prey on people's lack of knowledge so now i've said this i, don't, I think talking about them is not a problem it's like the, the you can't be fooled by a magic trick once you know how the trick is done mm -hmm. we're talking that i believe that's how it actually works but if you dress like a clown yes you will end up channeling them but if you just talk about them you're not giving them power i'm not venerating them by simply talking about them you know i think I it's just it's like anything isn't it you you will you can educate people or you can rad radicalize people for every for every like 10 people that might think do you know what i'm not going to dress my son up as a clown this ha this halloween you're going to get one person that's already sat in his bedroom that's already unhappy that's going to go i'm going to try and lean into this that yeah. will then start trying to do it it's just it's just what happens you know about the, the almighty clown and how one should venerate the, the clown god then yes my words are giving them power and certainly mm. that would encourage people to go ahead and dress more like clowns just like you know the jugglers love to do with their um the carnival dark carnival mythology and they mm. have mythologized and made their own religion out of the clown you know and being down to clown and they have created a cult through their words their magic and their songs which encourages people to channel more demons and dress like clowns I'm saying that's ridiculous. Stop doing it. It'll only kill you in the end. Get Jesus in your life. So mm. I, don't, I don't think I'm giving power, you know, personally. No. I take it red nose days uh, banned in your house. <laughs> I've, I was never a fan of that anywhere, ever. And <laughs> I never really understood it growing up as a kid. And I didn't realize it's kind of a global thing. Like all the Western Hemisphere, all the Anglosphere does it. America does it. Canada does it. You know, and we obviously, we in Europe, do it. we in England and Europe does it as well. I didn't know it was that far spread. I thought it was just a British thing. I thought Red Nose Day was just something we did in England. What and I've discovered it's everywhere. Again, everybody wants a year to put a clown nose on and dress like clowns, like a ritual every year at the same yeah. time. The whole world dresses like a clown or a good proportion it's of the Western. The charity goes to children, does it, I think. 
it always yeah, it's Ghost of Children. Is it Pudsy the Bear or something like that? No, that's, ch- that's Children in Need, isn't that's it? Children in Need, yeah. Comic Comic Relief is. Is it Comic it, Relief? Yeah. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's the. See the starving, I, I, starving kids in Africa or children in hospital. It's always one yeah. of the two, isn't it? I can I just remember the old adverts they used to show every like twenty minutes during the comedy sketches. Yeah. I, I I haven't trust trusted any of that since the Savile stuff come out. Exactly. No, yeah, because because where he was so involved in all the British children's charities that you go, what the fuck was going on there? Yeah, I think they, didn't they just release a British thing. I I don't watch TV. I don't know this. People tell me these things. I just see a, mm. an image somewhere. But I think they've just done a thing on him where like they're retelling his story in the BBC with an actor playing Jimmy Savile what he was really like you know it's like a it's like a mockumentary in a way or, or a dramatized version of his life and someone showed sent me a, a screenshot of him dressed like a jester in a hospital with children or something wow. like that. <laughs> in that in obviously in that fictional made yeah. up version of his life the actors mm-hmm. dressed like a type in jimmy savile actor dressed like jester in hospital yeah. maybe something will come up but someone someone did send me that um i just found it interesting that they made that connection with him as well to be honest I don't know. I don't know what his affiliation exactly was with secret societies, but he was definitely involved in the whole. He was in the club, whatever it was. Oh, definitely, he was in the club. Oh yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he when when you're talking about that, um, the what, sorry, what, what did you call it before the court of the what the um, shiners? Order. Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah. I mean, that if if there was some sort of um, uh right procuring of children going on with these people that's that that would suit him down to the ground wouldn't it Uh, well maybe maybe it'd be good for me just to give a a very brief description of the history of circuses and shrining and secret sites absolutely you can get an idea of you know this is i'm not just talking out my ass here there's actually historical precedents for the creation of this symbol um but like if we go back to Let's go back to just before the collapse of Rome. I've, I'll very, I'm not going to go through all thousand years of history here, but we'll very briefly summarize that there were performers and clown-like characters all throughout history since human beings have existed and needed a good laugh. They've always existed, okay? Fools and jesters of a, of a sort. Uh, Rome had their own specific type of street performers. Greek had their own specific type of clown character in theatres. Um, they called it the parasite. It's it's a fool who would eat the food that was left at the altar of the gods rather than honoring the gods. He was considered a, a character not to be like, you know, it was there to show how not to behave in society. They've always existed. But then after the collapse of Rome and the Catholicism started to seep in after 500 AD, it was frowned upon to have actors and street performers like this. It was considered of the devil to pretend to be like something or not. So you'd find there was this dark age period, as it's described in history, where but this is what the history books say, where performances were just not allowed. You weren't allowed to have jesters or clowns or this type of thing anymore. It was all considered satanic in nature. But you did find, you know, the rich people, the kings and queens, the aristocracies, they had their own personal jesters. It was kind of like a commodity they could afford to have. Who's going to stop them? They rule the place, you know, whatever. And they all kind of had, it was the in vogue thing to have your own court jester. So you'd find during that thousand year period is where you get these funny men there to entertain the rulership and the kings. But at the same time that was happening, the jester phenomenon is kind of a bit separate from what I'm talking about in terms of where the clown comes from. 
So jesters were happening. They were always highly associated with kings and rulers and things like that. Highly contentious relationships. Many jesters were killed for what they said. Others were banished. And it was a really weird history behind all of that. But simultaneously, all those actors of Rome needed to find work. They weren't allowed to work so you know, in Rome anyway. So they traveled all throughout Europe. And they put on traveling shows called the Comédie de l'Art movement. It developed into what we call the Comédie de l'Art by the 16th, 1600s. Up until that point, these actors were putting on very quick shows, putting up a stage in a village, doing some shows, improv performances with some stock basic characters, the rich old man, the daughter of the old man, the soldier, uh, the poor person, the, the fool, the drunk or whatever, just stock characters. And they would put on a funny show. People would give them money. They'd move on to the next village. That happened for like a good thousand years and it developed and it turned into something strange as time went on. So by the 1600s, a character got introduced around 1560s. It was around that when it started to be introduced. It was called Harlequin. It was or the Italian name was Arlecchino. It was based off a village in Bologna, I think it was. And it was kind of the the drunk character from this Italian history. But it was mixed with mythology of like mercury and dionysus from greek mythology as well that that mediterranean mythos was kind of incorporated into the trickster style nature the fleet of foot acrobatic type nature of this hard arlecchino character but because they were traveling all over europe as far as russia as well well into the russia and you know down through the cold places all through them you know the scandinavian countries then back down to germany through uh, the, you know, through dutch and france and spain and portugal they kind of noticed Everywhere we go, they have this wild man tradition. They have this weird thing they do, this ritualistic thing where they dress up like big, wild, scary, big, wide-smiled, sharp-toothed, horned beast creatures. And they love it. They have a huge party and get absolutely smashed and then do all sorts of revelry and horrible things. And then they have a fasting period afterwards, extreme excess and then fasting. And they all did it. They all had this common shared history, no matter where they went across the continent in Europe where they have a wild man. So the Comédie de l'Arts, being a group who make stock characters, recognised this highly recognisable stock character and brought it into their plays. And the, it became Harlequin, named after Helikins, which is the French version of the wild man, their tradition. Um, it doesn't matter where you go. Even in England, we have Hearn the Hunter, um, we have uh, Jack of the Green, Robin of the Hood. The wild man mythos has always been here. It's always been all throughout Europe because we all have a shared experience of a history where these things were actually around. So we all have our own way of dressing like them to remember them in some way. And that's our European version. And uh, a good example, which is still true to kind of how it was in the past, it's not changed, is in Bulgaria, they have something called the cookery. And... You can go there and experience it for yourself still. They've not changed the tradition, and they, they look insane, honestly. You should see this. Some of them actually were big cone-headed clown hats with pom-poms all over it as well, and this white, weird Ku Klux Klan mask with red rosy cheeks put on there with big black bridges on their eyebrows. They look like they're dressing like clowns, but they call it the wild man, um, the beast, you know, the Nephilim creatures. So they incorporated it. Arlecchino, Harlequin, named after Helikins, a wild man, Nephilim creature. It's the demonic character in the stock characters. It plays the demon. Its role in the Comédie de l'Arts performances was the creature that could change the scene with magic. It had a slapstick. It would slap mm -hmm. the stage 
and the stage scene would change instantly. It had powers. It could do acrobatic flips and somersaults like it was some kind of fairy of some kind, a lot like Mercury with its caduceus, you know, who had wings on his feet. You could look like he was flying. It's, it's kind of an amalgam of all these mythological concepts of the demonic, the fleet of foot, the witty, the joker, the fast, the fast-footed person, the the beast, the monster. It would dress in originally. We we imagine Harley Quinn as this tight-skinned leotard, diamond pattern thing. It wasn't that originally. Originally, it's dressed in loose white robes with multicolored patches, kind of just randomly put on it, with tufts of hair sticking out of them. And he wore a black mask, which made it look like a beast of some kind, with hair all around it and a horrible, ugly nose. It was meant to look like a demon. That was their version of the of the wild man tradition copied onto the stage. Only throughout those hundred years from the 1600s to the 1700s to the 18th did it slowly change and develop in tradition. Originally being the demonic character, it turned slowly into a boring, lovesick fool who would chase after the daughter of the rich man. It kind of organically developed into this thing. And then something called a harlequinade was developed, which was basically a chase scene involving harlequin taking columbine the daughter of the rich man and running away with her and then the show is literally the rich man and his servant clown chasing after harlequin and the daughter trying to get her back that's the whole show for like an hour it's just a huge chasing looney tune style wackiness ensues they're constantly hurting each other whacking each other poking each other with hot pokers beating each other crushing each other pushing them through windows whatever it's just one scene after another then the the next scene that they're healed miraculously and they're going on at it again you know it was a wild ride and that was the show and you find in britain we had the pantomime that was our version of doing this in france they had a popularized character called puero and he was like a Again, Harlequin was a was a boring character, but Poirot was their clown. It was their version of the servant. And Poirot's clown, the French clown, was a sad sack. He was he was sad, melancholy, just just pathetic, crying all the time over why why does Harlequin why does Columbine love the Chad Harlequin and not me, the pathetic simp? You know what I mean? It's basically that. That's basically what it is, you know. And for some reason the French identified with their version of the sad sack clown and but he was boring. He wore plain white costume with black pom-poms. Nothing special. You know, nothing at all. Just he was meant to look like a, a servant. He was meant to look poor. That's what the clown has always looked like. But Harlequin became this psychedelic looking fractal patterned jester monster. But he wasn't acting like a demon anymore. So they made a switch. In Britain, their version of a clown was a bit more loutish, like a loud drunk. It wasn't like the sad French clown. It was more just like a, a fool who would trip over himself, stealing sausages and drinking beer all the time. And just, you know, the comedy came from his physical foolery, you know. And they realized, you know, Harlequin's boring. He, he can't be the lead anymore. Like, he just doesn't bring that rascality to the scene anymore. He's not written that way. So they made the clown in Britain the new lead. And they made him act like how Harlequin originally acted in the 1500s like a demon like a rascal like a demonic character who was just cheeky all the time saying sexual jokes all the time innuendo after innuendo doing horrible things to all the other characters that's where the british clown came in and you'll find at the exact same moment this change was happening a son of a freemason so this freemason called charles dibdin huge media mogul owned the industry basically he was world famous especially in british circles for writing maritime 
sailor songs like he was a mu basically like a music industry beast of the time you know like we have them today he was well known and established in the industry well his son followed in the same footsteps and took over the theater in which this clown called joseph grimaldi was very popular and he basically took this idol that people loved to watch perform and he changed the costume he would wear from boring white servant rags which is all the clown has ever worn for 300 years you know and this one change he turned it into some crazy psychedelic monstrous looking baby man like weird looking costume and nowhere anywhere is discussed where the inspiration for that design came from they just accept it as a given but you look at what a clown used to look like up until this point you know the servant of the rich old man it was just plain. It was boring. It was nothing. You know, it was it was it was meant to look like he couldn't afford anything fancy. That was the point. And mm -hmm. suddenly you're dressing like this incredibly colorful peacock. It's like, why? <laughs> Where does that come from? And no one knows. No one knows. They just praise the decision that it was done. But I found out where it comes from. It turns out Charles Dibdin, the elder, the father, well, he was heavily influenced by India. And his brother was a member of the East India Company that was currently colonizing India at the time. So this is when British influence in India was just beginning during this time. And it was by the end of the 1800s where we had full established colonization, imperial rule in India, you know. But at the time, his brother lost his life in India doing this, colonizing India. At one point, Charles Dibden was going to move to India and live there permanently in Calcutta. But uh, his, sh his ship couldn't set sail because of bad weather and he decided against it last minute and made a career in England instead. So Indian Hindu mythology was rife in this family. And I assume his son would have also been influenced by these things. And you realise the costume that he dressed the clown in looks identical to the costumes worn by the Rakshasa demons in Hindu temples that protect outside the Hindu temples. Not only there, but also in Thailand as well. And Grimaldi was painted during this period of time in a position where he's doing a handstand and his head's turned up. And you realize that looks identical to the Kalasung Sang demon of Bali, which is inspired by Hindu mythology. It's an identical representation in costume and position. It's like a hint. They were telling you there, this is where I got it from. He just copied the way the demons looked wow. in, Hindu, in Hindu mythology and dressed the clown that way. Because the clown was supposed to be the new demonic character. He was replacing the demonic Harlequin, who was based after the wild man of Europe, their version of the demon, you know. So it was all done intentionally, but no one ever talks. No one knows this. I've, I've just made the connections and I've seen the pattern. It's like, this is clearly where he got it from. You put the picture side by side, which I've done in my last video, which blew up. And it's more than apparent that specifically that first clown costume was a copy of the Rakshasa demons of Hindu mythology. Uh, but then then things changed. After that performance, Joseph Moldy became a rock star. He embodied that clown costume perfectly. Like No one could act like a clown better than this actor. And then everybody who heard about the success of this new costume in the industry copied the new clown design from then on, and it became the industry standard. And it's developed slowly into the red-wigged, red-nosed, white-faced clown we have today. Joseph Grimaldi is credited with making the makeup, the face. Uh, but even prior to that, there's plenty of images of older clowns using white makeup with multicolored patterns on the face. So I don't know why he's credited. I think it was just a patsy. I think everyone wants to think Joseph Grimaldi made the modern clown costume. It's all him. That, that's not what the history, that's what his memoirs, his memoirs don't talk about it. I think 
rather than people knowing Freemasons had anything to do with it, they'd rather believe this random person made it all up. And that's what the history record shows. But you follow the pattern and it's like, no, it was this Charles Dibden who created the costume, you know, and, and it says in a moment of madness and sadness, Joseph Grimaldi decided to paint his face really white and put some red triangles on his cheeks. That's all it says about it, you know, <laughs> but I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's all Charles Dibden. I think it's all Freemason influenced. And from then on circuses began. And then this clown character was embodied in the circus. Now clowns have always been in circuses, but they've always kind of been acrobats to fill in the blanks between the stage when they move the stage around, you know, to entertain the crowd. And they were always doing horse tricks. It was equestrian stuff, you know. Then circuses became this other thing after this event in the 1800s with the costume change. You find a lot of Freemasons were setting up their own circuses in America because this was a strictly British affair up until this point. Suddenly in America, circuses become huge and they've adopted this new white-faced Joey clown named after jo Joseph Grimaldi into these huge these huge circuses circuses were a big deal in like the early um 18th century and 19th century 20th century they, they were like sorry 20th century mainly but some of the 1800s late 1800s they were kind of around but this is the thing about circuses it's basically a freemason ritual on a grand scale and i've got the receipts to prove this it's in my book they make no qualms about it all the people who started the first circuses in america they're all Freemasons. Every all the Ringling Brothers, P.T. Barnum and Bailey, every last member is a member of the fraternity. They even call the circuses, you know, the Ringling Bros. Bros or brother is what you call a member of the of the craft. You call them brothers. That's how they refer to each other. It's brother, whatever, brother, brother this, brother Smith, brother Joseph, whatever. You know, they, they call each other brothers. It's the hint there. You know, if you see any circus that has bros in it, that's a Freemason reference straight away. But it's not a secret that these people were members of Freemasonry. And they all decided, 10 circuses of America decided to combine into one giant circus for a huge show they were going to put around the entire country called uh, King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. So King Solomon, Freemasons are obsessed with Solomon. Uh, he's the Lord of the Rings. He's the ring master. He's the one who built the third temple, sorry, built the temple with using the ring to control demons. You know, they idolize him. They're always trying to rebuild Solomon's temple. That's what Freemasons love doing. It's in all their iconography, you know, and they basically got together, put on this show dedicated to their, the first, one of their grand masters, you know, and they believe Solomon's, um, I think Harim Abif is called was one of the first master masons who had all the knowledge and helped build the temple with the demons. They worship him as well. Anyway, they put on this show and it says everything about the show was created by Freemasons for Freemasons. All the costumes were designed and created by the same companies who make the costumes for the lodges in their own companies. Not, not one part of this entire show, not one bit of the profits did not go back to the fraternity. Everything about it was made by them for them. And it even says Freemasons were amazed to see these rituals that were normally done on a small scale in their little lodges on such a grand scale. They've never seen such a thing before. And what, what do you have? But you have the ringmaster, the top hat wearing ringmaster. That is the grand worshipful master of a Freemason lodge. The only one allowed to wear a top hat in a Freemason lodge is the one orchestrating the clowns at these circuses. Clowns are demons. Freemasons venerate demons. They're a continuation of these serpentine worship cults from the antediluvian past. It's just an analogy, you know, and the, the ringmaster orchestrating the clowns is just the grand worshipful master summoning demons in a lodge. It's the same 
spiritual concept. All they've done is just transfer it onto such a large scale and got the public involved in the ritual. And that's basically it. So it's a summoning ring. It's one chest. That's all it is. And that's what circuses were in the initial moment. It was a way of introducing their rituals to the public and hiding under the facade of it's just a bit of fun for the family and kids. They had the clown, a newly created thing out of Britain, which was the perfect symbol to represent their gods. So they could summon them and channel them publicly without people knowing. And from that day onwards, the clown has remained that occulted symbol but the public have been so ignorant to what its true purpose was to begin with. We literally think it's just a bit of fun for the kids and it's not, it never was. It's, it's, it's intentions are not that it's been. Yeah. Um, it's just one of, uh, one of our, um, viewers in the chat. Uh, I think it was Paul just posted something up here. I'll, I'll find his comment in a second. Um, about registering clown faces. And, yeah. Yeah. Egg registry, yeah, yeah. Is there is there some sort of occult symbolism in that? Because that's that's it's, wild. It's I, really, I, yeah, you know, just just quickly, you've got to register your clown face. It gets painted on an egg face, yeah, and that's how you you like copyright your clown head. Yeah, you're not allowed to wear another clown's makeup. It's yeah. highly frowned upon and taboo in the clown world. A clown is like somebody's baby. They own it once they make it. Once they have that design, it's theirs. You, you cannot copy it and uh, to register it and copyright it they, they literally paint it onto an egg and put it in this display case and that's it's crazy you name it yeah <laughs> it's really weird isn't it um it's kind of their way of the best way of document I, maybe it's maybe it's like because it's funny that's the point because it's something clowns would do i don't i don't know but i don't there's any occult significance behind it i've not looked too deep into it I'm, I'm very well aware of it it's a strange way but it because of the complexion of an egg being already skin toned, I think it's a fun way of um, doing it. But there, yeah, there you go. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's wild, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I just thought, thought that because it's that that seems that seems like something that should have some sort of like underpinning behind it because it it just seems too weird for it to have come from nowhere. Yeah, you know, something about egg, eggs and fertility. There's something. There's something there, isn't it? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll connect the dots another time. But there's definitely some. I don't know. I don't know what to say after the cuff right now. But I'm aware of it. And it's silly. It's <clears> definitely silly, isn't it? Symbolic Maybe. of their demonic connection being birthed into the world to the person who picks up the mantle. There you go. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It sounds good. Yeah. It sounds good. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Not. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, we just uh, well. If you're, I'm, I'm about to take it a little bit in different areas. Well, all so. I was going to say quickly was the um, the idea that you, it's frowned upon to use other people's clan makeup. Um, I wonder if that comes from a place of you. It's because that clown is an entity. You can't go around, but you you can't have one in one entity in, inhabiting two souls. Maybe it would, it would definitely help distinguish and separate. The demons, it's a separate vessel, sure, but at the same time, demons are, are legion. Many demons can have at one body, so I don't, I don't necessarily know. Um, maybe there is something to be being hyper-specific with your makeup to channel one specific entity that looks specifically like that. You could make the argument that that game is, is afoot, absolutely, but uh, all I know is these tribes who do it, they're just being very generic. You know, mm. they're not... There's, I don't think there's a specific... Unless you go to Sri Lanka where they have a specific mask with very specific features 
um, compared to all the other ones. They're, they're certainly doing the specific demon at once type of deal. So it, it is there is precedence, you know, in in these ancient folk traditions. There's precedence to say that yes, that could be what's going on. Definitely. With you looking into like the occult, um, you must have come across Alistair Crowley a few times. Yeah. Along your journey, is there any links to your theory on clowns with some of the stuff that he was doing? Well, he's the one who came up with um, sex ritual magic and the th- uh, th- is it Thelema? Is that what he calls it? And obviously, he was obsessed with um, the Scarlet Woman. He believed he was the B six six six, and every woman he had sex with was a manifestation or an embodiment of the spirit of the Great Harlot, or you know, the Scarlet Woman, as he calls it, who rides the beast, which was him. You know, mm-hmm. um, he, I, I think he was just a cringy, terrible artist, perverted member of secret societies who was just loud. You know, like you get that loud minority, um, and he started a, another cult for other cringe weirdos out there who also get into the whole sex magic cult thing. But he's, he seems to have inspired a lot of musicians and artists. Um, you find him referencing loads of things like um, album covers and things like that in subtle ways. Um, he's the guy who came up with spirit cooking, you know, which obviously Marina Abramovich was involved with that a yeah. few years ago. Um, he's definitely just a high level satanic worshipping scumbag, just like the rest of them. Um, and he made his mark on history by being absolutely disgusting and vile with the way he did it. Um, he was a clown in that respect, I suppose. But I found when I did my research, his artwork, look it up now, type in uh, his paintings, type in Alistair Crowley's paintings. Let's just go through it together. Um, you'll find a lot of them are extremely clown-like in his portraits of his lovers. It's like he painted his lovers, but painted the demon within them manifesting through their visage. It's really weird. I just, uh, yeah, Alistair Crowley's paintings. He was a terrible artist. He was a bad painter. He was a really bad painter, but you can, it looks childlike and awful. And I have an art degree. I'm allowed to say that. I know what standards are. You know what I mean? Like as far as it goes, this guy's at like GCSE level, if that, you know what I mean? He's, he's definitely got no technical skill whatsoever, but look at that one for me. It looks like Ronald McDonald. It's got the yellow outfit on there with the red puffy hair and the, the like, why has he gone that way? He's gone. He's he's leaned clownish in his representations of of himself. That's how he portrays himself in his own self portraits. Um, that it looks like a drag queen in that one on the top row there. You know, a bit further along. I think it's like one, two, three, four, the sixth one along on the top row. Is that not how drag queens dress today in similar style makeup? He was definitely using the the style to channel things. If you go down to the third row, right at the end. Um, that horrible smiling black-haired things are two down from there. Um, that's one of his lovers that he was having sex with. And if you click on her, yeah, so uh, the <laughs> they're all terrible. I mean, if you just look at they look terrible. It's the third row right at the end, just next to the portrait, the big portrait you've got up already. Yeah, that's one of his lovers. And then below that, look at that big red, that thin red-lipped, white-skinned, red-haired beast that's come up just below the portrait you've clicked on now bit further along one more look at that thing this is another one of his lovers supposedly um yeah so i think he was painting the demon within and he leaned heavily towards clown iconography when he did it so he must have been seeing things he this guy claims to have talked to lamb the demon you know what i mean summoned the demon and all these type of things um i think he knew what they looked like i think and he he leaned towards clown in the depictions 
Hmm. <laughs> it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I didn't know he painted. <laughs> yeah, he's a terrible painter, but like I said, he's still showing pale white skin, red lips, yeah. red hair. He stuck to the same basic motif. You know, that's what he went for when representing the demonic. So uh, it never changed. It never changed as far as I'm concerned. It's it's an occult symbol. It's a hidden symbol mm -hmm. until recently. You were, you were never supposed to figure out that that's what it was for. And that's, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Our celebrities are turning into our modern clowns of entertainment, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. have a whole spiel on the music industry. Um, yeah. I believe the music industry, if you want to make it, the secret isn't having talent. The secret is just dress yourself up as much of, as a psychedelic clown monster as you possibly can, and you will be chosen. You will be elevated because you are representing the, the, the very thing they want people to idolize. And you'll make it. You'll make it. You'll be elevated, if not by the demons you're channeling, possibly for talent. You know, if it's not that, then the Freemasons who run the industry will see you dressed that way and just choose you because of it. And then you'll think you've done it off your own back. They'll make you believe you're talented and wonderful or whatever. But they only chose you because you dress like a clown. And then you become an idol for other people to then mm. mimic the way you dress and act and look. And then that becomes the industry standard. I have to dress this way just to get famous. And, you know, and David Bowie is a great example. Yeah. These people become idols. The more clownish you dress, the more white skin, red hair, clownish motifs you embellish into your, into your facade and your persona, the higher you will end up being in the industry. You'll be elevated to godlike positions. In modern times, um, uh, Harry Styles is a good example as well. Yeah. He was seen donning a um, a Harlequin leotard recently. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, he was praised as donning the high fashion of French um, fashion. You know, in that article on L about the clown core fashion in the runways, he was using it as an example. And he's also part of that whole cross dressing thing as well, isn't he? And pushing all those agendas. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you think these things is possible that they could still? And I I know I've heard you speak on the show. Um, where you said they don't exist anymore they they they've long gone we wiped them out do you think it's possible or any evidence that you've seen that any of these nephilim are still alive not in their og giant form not like the clowns we i'm talking about not in that way i think it's possible nephilim type genetics have made their way down to the modern day but i think they look a lot more human today I think it's so watered down that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, some people have argued this to the moon on my channel about who these people are, and I'm not going to name I don't want to get banned and removed, and I don't want to encourage anybody to go out hurting other people because you think they might be a Nephilim. That's just not a good way of viewing things. I think the Bible makes it clear this is a wheat and tear situation. It's not for us to choose who is and isn't one of these things and go on witch hunts and burning people and killing people. It says God will separate them himself at the mm. end. Okay, you let them grow together until the harvest. All right, that's how it works. You can't tell the difference between a wheat and a tear until the harvest and they've come to fruition at the end. And then you can separate them. Um, I think that's how we have to view this. I don't want to go around accusing people of being uh, a modern day Nephilim. I don't. I'm not encouraging that. That's just not the way to view things. Um, but it's 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 likely they've played games to try and get vessels for them make mock vessels to bring their spirits back into this world. I mean, the Rephaim, which is the post-flood Nephilim in the Bible, they weren't called Nephilim, they were called Rephaim. Rephaim means like a healed one or a healer of some kind. 
it implies that they are the dead ones who managed to resurrect. They are the dead ones, healer, the healed, healers, the undead. That's basically what Rephaim means. So it implies that the Nephilim that died before the flood were somehow resurrected as the Rephaim. And it's possible they can resurrect by creating vessels for them to inhabit the spirits of the Nephilim that are currently in this fractal realm. That is possible. I think the transhumanist agenda may be playing into this. I think they may be trying to create a brand new vessel, a godlike, immortal-like vessel that's robotic, an AI processing brain within it that can inhabit the spirits of a Nephilim, perhaps. A vessel that can't inhabit the Holy Spirit, therefore cannot be cast out of in the name of Jesus. Things like that. That might be what all this is for. But in terms of physical Nephilim walking around, you have the cryptid phenomena. People cite reports of seeing Bigfoots, monsters of all shapes and sizes, chimeras, all sorts of hybrid creatures. Uh, so I think some some things must have survived to the modern day to have these reports and encounters. I can only speculate. But um, I, I do think the cryptid phenomena is not a necessarily a Nephilim result. I think what we're seeing there are the people and the creatures that were created and hybridized just before the flood. Mm. So the Nephilim, the offspring of fallen angels mating with human women, they they died before the flood. They killed each other. The punishment for the watchers who created them was to watch their children kill each other. That's what it, that's how it's described in Enoch. So the big, tall Nephilim, the first ones that looked like psychedelic, monstrous clown things, died before the flood. They were gone. They killed each other off, you know. But their children... And their children's children were probably still knocking about. Lesser Nephilim, smaller Nephilim. And not all the angels who fell from heaven mated with human women. So once the watchers who did mate with human women had to watch their children kill each other, they were bound in chains. So the angels that were left were like, yeah, we're not doing that again. That punishment's too much. There's no way we're going to have sex with human women again. God's made it clear if we do that, the consequences are dire for us. So instead, it seems like they encouraged people, humans, to change their own DNA of their own fruit, you know, the, themselves. They were taught the means to do it, so they did it to themselves. And they tried to become like Nephilim. They did something genetically to themselves to be Nephilim-esque. They Nephilimified themselves. And it's described in the book of Jasher, this time period just before the flood where all flesh became corrupted, that there was mixing of kinds happening. I don't know what kind of technology was involved in this. I don't know if it was some kind of weird psychedelic flesh spirit method to do it or techno technological method. I don't know, but it makes it clear. Humanity corrupted their own flesh in horrible, sadistic ways and created monsters, hybrid chimerid beasts, along with not only different animals mashed together into scorpion tail, lion-headed goat feet, whatever. You know, They also had humans who created mermaids, sirens, uh, centaurs, Mm -hmm. half man, half beast fawns you know things like this a mermaid could survive a flood mm -hmm. now an aquatic creature it's possible the humans did this to themselves in preparation for the flood in order to survive i don't i don't know um but there's plenty of mythologies to describe these strange chimerian hybrid cryptids all over the earth and the bible has an answer for that well i mean if you talk about a change in dna to help um these things inhabit us um well, to say it in the most youtube friendly way we seem to have had a large portion of the population just been through a dna altering uh event over I the last two we'll years leave it, we'll leave it at that but i know exactly what you mean everyone listening knows exactly what you mean yeah it just um, I, 
<laughs> yeah, I just had a look um, for the clown clown uh, fashion thing while we were there for any because I I had no idea of this, so I'll, I'll bring it up for for viewers to watch. I mean, that's wild. Even just the idea that they're like they're coming through the picture frame and stuff like that. That looks like some sort of fucking ritual. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh yeah. Really uh, weird. This is the this is the high end runway fashion. You know what I mean. This is this is what they want. What comes down from this is a watered down version in the outlet stores eventually. Yeah, they'll never be as outrageous as this in like Topshop or something. You know yeah. what I mean. But what we get is something similar, something more akin uh, to what that we could wear every day. But it's still inspired by these type of designs. That's the whole point of runway fashion. It mm. is supposed to be over the top, and then what we get is a is an inspired version. Um, it's terrifying when you think about it. They're pushing it on people now to dress this way. And in light this, of this my... lady's TikTok's doing a really good example, actually, of the uh, um, play, play that again, TikTok, because she was wow, doing aesthetic, yeah, yeah, a really good, good thing of uh, oh, yeah, we're, we're good, we're good. Now. just a uh, replay at the bottom, yeah. a little circle left side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, as far as that sort of stuff sort of filtering down into what people can wear every day. That's, yeah. Uh, exactly, weird. something like that, you know, not not yeah. as extreme, but that's what you'll end up getting. But even just typing on to TikTok, clown core, mm -hmm. clown fashion or clown core aesthetic, and you'll find ordinary day people really leaning heavily into over-the-top clown imagery, but as legitimate fashion choices. So it's not the watered-down version I'm I'm talking about. It's literally just like a full-on crazy psychedelic clown and going out into the public as though it's perfectly normal. Right. That's, that's also becoming a thing that is acceptable. You know, like, like I mean, 10 years ago, it would have been acceptable to go to the shops in your pajamas. Never mind walking around dressing like a bloody yeah. clown. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but now it's like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. You'll find the influencers did a huge push this year to wear big, giant red shoes. Have you seen these? No. Oh, yes, I did. I saw yeah. Kanye West in them. They're, they're yeah, like, they yeah. look like big toy shoes, don't they? Like they're, Mickey Mouse boots, yeah. yeah. The concerning thing about this sort of stuff is is the, um, the for me, is the fact that it is childlike yet sexualized at the same, same time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a huge perverted undertone to all of this. There's a subculture dedicated to it. It's... Yeah. It's it's getting weird. It's getting weird. I mean, on 4chan, funnily enough, someone posted about about it and getting the hypersexual. And even in the meme, it references if Nephilim, if clowns are representations of Nephilim, then is this push actually something weird? <laughs> he mentions my, <laughs> I'm becoming a meme on 4chan over this. But there's there's people who are who are questioning like, what is with this this push for what they call uh, you know clussy <laughs> like. It's just clowns, the other thing. It's, yeah. it's it's really weird. It's really yeah. it's getting it's getting weird. Like, and I'm not I'm not surprised. I I've seen the trend. I can see how this has been like put into the minds of people. Love the clown. Dress like the clown. Be yeah. like the clown. The clown world. We live in a clown world. Embrace the clown. That's constantly mm. being to people in the media all the time. You know. Yeah, I mean. I know what it sounds like on the surface, my theory. I really do. <laughs> but when you actually start getting into it, it's serious. It's really weird and terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's like it's no encompassing theory as well. It's really quite weird.
Uh, Paul Robinson just uh, pointed out here that he said the uh, clowns are trending trending in the eighties, and but that that makes me wonder. Then I wonder if um, if this push goes. The, the first thing that popped into my head there was like the glam rock scene. Yeah. Um, the this could have been something that has been tried many times. You know, to try and inject it into pop culture and into into yes. into culture to get it to filter down. And essentially, maybe it didn't work because we weren't quite as deprived enough yet. I think it started in the 60s counterculture more than anything. The mm-hmm. psychedelic revolution, getting people yeah. to take psychedelics more and dress in that way. And then, mm-hmm. you, like you said, through the 70s and the 80s, you start to see the clown aesthetic really take hold of that 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 style of music synth wave, especially in glam rock. You know, it definitely yeah. this has been going on for a long time. Like I said, circuses began in the mid 1800s, you know, and the clown itself, the costume of a clown, was co-opted in theatre and inserted into theatre through an idol called Joseph Rodi, literally in like 1799 in the 1800s. You know, this is a 230-year thing in the making, really. Like, this is this is not a new phenomenon. It's just we can notice it now. We can see it now. Like, that's all mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, especially when we could be on the verge of another, um, like, uh, hallucinogenic revolution as well. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's so popularized now, DMT is so pop- popularized. You know, you, you can't listen to Joe Rogan for a month without some sort of reference to psychedelics in there at some point. Oh yeah, the push, the pushing it on the youth, because this is this is all the side effect of basically a, a, people have a deep craving for spirituality. That's how we're we're just like that's how humans are. We we need a connection to something bigger than ourselves, and because obviously the Bible and Jesus is just out the window for the modern for the modern society it's considered primitive and stupid to believe in something's filling that hole and now obviously the psychedelic uh, you are a god angle has really taken a hold the new age perspective the gnosticism perspective of christ consciousness or consciousness expansion or exploring the inner self and doing the inner work or something like that implying that knowledge can save you knowing enough stuff will save you will help solve all your problems and that's why you're seeing this psychedelic push and why people are venerating the clowns i think that's because that's what they see when they go to these realms and it's idolization of the new gods which are the old gods there's nothing new under the sun they were idolizing the past as kings and rulers in the same way they're just making it happen again it's that sort of idolization of self as well and that always um sends me back to the like the crowley-esque like do what thou wilt style of satanism um yeah no it's 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 really interesting the uh the idea that this is this is being pushed on us at this time as well where everything's like you say the same with religions being shoved to the side and there was a really good quote from Einstein because he was he was asked once, um, what will happen if people stop believing in God? Will they not believe in anything? And Einstein said, No, if people don't believe in God, they'll believe in everything. Yes. And that's that's basically it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I always try and end these shows by making the point of, like I said, these are a defeated enemy. Mm-hmm. And when Christ died and rose again, that was the point. You know, he he was given the keys to you in the world, he took all authority in this. Um, he was casting out demons left, right, and center, you know, and people were like, whoa, this has never happened before. Who is this guy that can literally cast out demons? This is insane. Demons were a, a scourge on humanity until he came, and he's given us that authority. He's mm-hmm. given that, and, I know people, I don't know what your audience is like, maybe they're quite a secular audience, and they probably say, oh, this 
this guy, I was really into what this guy was saying up until he started going on about Jesus. I get that quite a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. I like what you're saying. I really like your work, but you know, I always get that. But this is the point that this is this is human history. This is what really happened. These things are literally demons with with an explained history, and they they flee in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't ignore that at your own peril, like because this is a spiritual war. We are in a spiritual battle. If you are into the psychedelic exploration movement mm-hmm. and you're seeing jesters. They are liars. They're not your friends. Okay. Mm. They are not reflections of yourself. They're not trying to teach you some wisdom on how to work on your inner problems and become a better person and lose your ego. They want to kill you and they'll tell you anything to get you to that point. They will drive you insane. You will not find fulfillment. That hole in spiritual hole in your heart will not be filled by these things and what they have to say or teach. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be safe. You, you can, you can, they will flee from you. They will not even come to you anymore. In fact, if you talk about Jesus, they will scream and try to attack you, but it won't work. They'll show those true colors as everybody who has gone through this experience and has done this will show. And people want to say, well, maybe they're just lying about Jesus and all this type of thing. And actually don't, it doesn't really hurt them. It's kind of, that's not what the history shows. It's, it's pretty consistent throughout. Nothing else will get rid of these things. Nothing else. You, you have to, you know, and I'm just going off what's been proven to work. Uh, it's real. We are in a spiritual war, but don't, don't fear them. It's ignorance that gives them power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And When's the, the book out? The book. Um, I am, I've just, well, I'm halfway through chapter 15 and I've planned about 30 chapters. So <sighs> halfway point, hopefully the back end of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to read it when it comes out. Um, is there any way people can uh, go and follow your stuff and help out uh, in any way to help get get this book to us a bit quicker? <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's just when I can get time to write. Obviously, like I said, raising a family and running the YouTube channel. It's yeah. it's it's chugging along at the speed yeah. it can go along, you know. Uh, so but if you want to, to support me in any way, there's a pre-order system on there. Go to GoFundMe. Um, the links are on my channel and all my videos, and you can find the links there Thank just to go get involved um, if you, any donation at all doesn't matter how little we'll get you a special thank you in the book um but if you do 100 pounds or more i will personally send you a signed copy once it's published so that's kind of the deal i've got going there um the support has been overwhelming i think i have like 30 people already who have a pre-order copy coming on the way and then everyone else in between who has their own name in there so people are thirsty for the book and the knowledge which is mm-hmm. great it keeps me motivated. That keeps me going because I know people want it, and obviously they paid for it, so they're going to get it. You know, it's that's a heavy motivator. Um, but I love I love writing the thing. Um, it's it practically writes itself now because I've been doing this for so many years, so it's kind of all just coming out. But I do want it to be a scholarly work. I want it to actually be taken seriously, so it's heavily referenced. It's not just it's, me. It's obvious the amount of work you've put into this. Just yes. the, just the sheer amount of uh, history and stories of like folklore stories that you have that you can just throw out um, yeah. off the dome. It shows how much you've been putting into this. Yeah, well, I, I'm talking about clowns. I have to put something serious. In. I, need, I need to be taken seriously. You know, I don't think <laughs> laughing off. Um, I know what it sounds like. Like I said, and and. Yeah. I, once they read it and they realize this is reference history I'm talking about here. This isn't just stuff I've just pulled out of the air. A lot of people think I'm just making it up. And it's kind of like, I'm not, this has really happened. This is the history of the clown. Like, forget about my Nephilim connection theory. The history of the clown alone is extremely suspect. Like, and it's documented 
as it is history. The involvement of, of secret societies with the clown is extremely suspect and well-documented. It's, yeah, I'm not just making it up, but if you want evidence, all the details, because I've, I've just skimmed over today, all the, all the basics. Yeah. If you want the heavy details and you want names and places and mm -hmm. cultures and their rituals, go to my channel. There's a series dedicated to going into all of them. I highly suggest that people go and watch that. Uh, have you got it set as a separate playlist? Yeah. So on, yeah. on Understanding Conspiracy, go to the playlist tab. I have I have multiple playlists, and there's one called The Nephilim Look Like Clowns. Mm -hmm. Everything to do with it is on there. If you want more, if you've gone through 43 episodes and you want more, go to the live tab, and you'll find I've been – every week I have a live show – and I go into some extra stuff and do a little presentation at the start of each live show. Mm -hmm. I cover many topics, but often I do the clown thing as well on there. So if you have more time to listen to podcast format, that's a good place to go with images as well. Um, but I do talk about plenty of other things. I'm called Understanding Conspiracy first and foremost, you know, I, and I cover a lot of subjects. You've got some blue beam on there, so. Oh, it's everything, everything, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I have a Remember series where I go through old topics which may have been forgotten but are still active. Like really, like over the past decade type of theories which have been pushed out of the back of your mind because new stuff happens you know i've i like to go down that nostalgic trip um, i like to get meta i like to get all meta about conspiracy as well and talk about the culture itself and what it's like to be a truther and what it's like to go through the process of waking up and i try but i have another series called tips for truthers which is about how to deal with waking up and how to interact with people and associate better with people so you don't lose all your friends and family which is a common side effect of waking up you know i talk about a lot of things on this so, but go to the playlist tab if you want a, a breakdown of it and naturally i also have the whole exposing the occult stuff where i go into breaking down media and all sorts of things so yeah it's been a pleasure mate yeah man yeah no thanks for coming on no thanks for having me guys it's been good it's been good. Awesome. Make sure you go and check out the links in the description, people, where you can check out Paul's channel, Understanding Conspiracy. It's quite addictive. And, uh, yeah, uh, be careful with them clowns. Don't watch them red noses. <laughs> good night. God bless people. Good night. Mind the, mind the bugs, they'll bite.
liked clowns. <laughs> it's just for the record. <laughs> wow, 